Okay. I'm back making this thing. I'm Julie Sensulo, and this is Funny Stories to Tell in the Dark, a podcast where I ask funny people to tell me funny stories, and then we all listen and chuckle and forget our problems. Cool? Cool. I feel rusty recording this intro because it's been over a month since I made an episode of this show. There are a lot of reasons for that, but the main one is that it is hard to make jokes when the world feels like it is coming apart at the seams. This podcast started as an exercise in escapism during the coronavirus pandemic for me. But escapism is a lot less appealing when your city and your country are in the middle of a mass uprising against police violence, systematic racism, and capitalism. It's actually super important that we don't try and escape what is happening right now, and that we use the momentum of this moment to stay focused on dismantling the institution of policing. An institution that aims to harm and even kill all of us but especially Black and Indigenous folks and people of color. If you want to learn more about the history of the Minneapolis Police Department and about the movement to abolish the police in the city, I highly recommend checking out the MPD 150 project at mpd150.com. They have so many great resources and a lot of research and ways that you can get involved and support the movement. With all of that said, I do still believe in finding joy in the struggle, so I hope this story brings you happiness for a moment so that you can then get back out to protesting or donating or talking to all of your neighbors and family members about racism, whatever you need to do to stay the course. The story is from my dear friend and co-worker, Fatima Abdullahi, who is just a radiant source of light in my life. It's actually a story about oppression and about the times that it's just so ridiculous that you kind of have to lean into it. Here's Fatima. This is the story of how sexism saved my life. I moved to Minnesota in 2018 after I graduated college and I had gotten my first job. They had asked me to come in and do like the iMac paperwork and stuff. And I had just moved, so I didn't have a car, so I borrowed my sister Marion's car. She has this 2007 Mitsubishi old car in the world store. I take her car and I'm just driving, listening to my music, just minding my business. I hear this like <laughs> noise. So I just turn up my music. Because, you know, denial. The first car I ever drove, my first true love, was my 1993 Geoprism, which was a car that just made noises all the time because it was just barely functioning. So I just had adopted the whole live in denial until you can't anymore. So when I heard the car make a little bit of noise, I thought, you know what, 
It's just, it's just old car sounds. Act like it's not happening. Turn off the music, sis. And then I hear, and it just gets really loud. And I'm just like, okay, I can continue the denial and turn up my music even louder. But then at this point, my car starts going up and down. And I can just feel that there's no tire on this car. You can't deny that. But I'm on a freeway at this point, and I also refuse to have car trouble on a freeway. It's just not what I want. And so then I just take the first exit, and then I take a right, and then I, thank God, get to this like very deserted road. It was just the like, grass and woods. And it's just the beginning of every criminal mind, forensic files, law and order episode. I turn off the car, and then before I look, I, I make a little dua, which if you're not Muslim, is a little prayer. Lord, let this not be bad enough. Because A, it's not my car, and B, my family thinks I'm the worst driver in the family. So not only was my life at stake, so was my good name. And then I get out of the car, and then I see the tire, at least what should have been a tire, in the back. And it's just a little metal frame, no tire. The tire is just a series of little shreds. And if you look behind the car, you can follow the path to me. It's like the little gingerbread crumbs that lead to my car. And I think to myself, good God, what did I do? You have to understand, I was following all of the laws. I was being a good driver. I was, I was doing God's work. And then I'm like, you know what? Get it together. You are a strong, independent black woman. You can figure this out. Your dad taught you how to change a tire. Thug it out. Then I open the trunk of the car. This isn't my car. So I didn't know what I was expecting to see. But I forgot that my sister is A, a teacher, and B, a slight boarding tendency. And it was just all this paperwork that I find out were her third grade students' assignments throughout the whole year. So how am I supposed to get to the spare tire at the very bottom of the trunk? I slowly start taking things out of the back of the car thinking, why is she a hoarder? I have to take the first crate. Why does she need all these spelling tests? Takes the second crate. Why does she have all these half-open water bottles? Moves these water bottles. And I'm just like talking to myself, like maybe I should just call my parents. No, 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 you're 21 years old. You can do this. Put your big girl pants on. As I'm talking to myself like a crazy human, this cop car pulls over. I'm like, you know, cops, who do they help? Not black people. It's a white cop. I don't know if I have to clarify, but all cops are bad. But let's just, just for aesthetics, white cop. The cop comes over and then he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just need to change the tire on this car. And then he's like, whose car is this? I'm like, oh, it's my sister's car. And then he aggressively says, does she know you have it? And I said, of course she does. And honestly, at this point, even if I had stolen the car, which I hadn't, I would have lied to his face. What am I going to do, admit to a crime 
in front of a cop. Um, wasn't born yesterday. And then he's like, okay, well, you got this. And then walks away. Even though clearly, if you saw me, I did not got this. I was clearly struggling. I never expected the cop to help me. I just was very shocked that he seemed so excited at the prospect of a crime. But like him to be like, is the car stolen? Like that to me was very gross and grimy. At this point I had gotten the tire out, but like I had just gotten so much grease on my hand. I that's when I decided that I no longer wanted to be an independent black woman. I'm just like, you know what? I have a father for a reason. I don't need this. So I pick up my phone and I call my father and I and I say, and I'm Somali, so obviously this conversation happened in Somali. I'm like, Abba, which means dad in Somali. Something happened to the car. Can you help me? He's just like, are you okay? Did you get into a car accident? I knew this would happen with you. And I said, no, it was not a car accident. The tire busted. And then my dad was like, okay, I'll come. I'm like 40 minutes out. I'll come help you. I just was sitting there with grease on my hands. And then the Somali guy who was driving someone in the back, like, like, it's called the Uber. And someone was in the back seat, and he's like, Aved, which means, like, uncle in Somali, because in Somali culture, anyone who's older than you or is the same level as your parents, they address you as if they are your niece or nephew, and then you address them as if they're your uncle. So he's like, um, Aved, like, do you, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just, my tire busted. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to drop this young lady off, and then I'll come back for you. And I said, Thank you. And then, like, five minutes later, this other Somali guy comes, and he pulls over it, and then he's like, do you need help? I was like, I could be prideful and say that I'm strong to play back man. I don't need no man. I can solve my problems. But like I said, I had grease out of my hands at this point. So I decided I just want help. And then he was like, honestly, if I had just seen anyone else on this road, I would have just kept driving. But I just saw a helpless small girl, and I just thought, she can't do this. And I was like, that's sexist in my head. Because out loud, I said, you're right. He wasn't wrong about me, and I want to take the moral high ground. But I, at this point, I had a car to fix. I thought, I will live with the sexism. I will not live with the grease. Another third guy comes. And he was also a Somali guy. He was like, okay, I'm like, do you, do you need help? And then him and the Somali guy just completely forget I'm there. And that at this point, the problem is my car, and I'm just an obstruction to solving it. The first Somali guy, the one who went to drop off someone, had come back. Three of them start fixing my car. And then they just start talking crap about Somali girls. But like, in the nicest way. Basically, how we were, were raised, spoiled, and how we we can't figure anything out for ourselves. It's been like 30-ish minutes. My father's there, and he sees these Somali guys helping, and then he tells them all, like, don't worry, like, she's my daughter. I'll figure this out. And so then two of them leave. One of them stays behind says, no, I'll help you. Finally, they put the spare tire on, and then my dad and guys shake hands, and he says, I, I get your pain, and then guys like, I get yours. Like, like I was having Somali girls in this, like, hard life. Which I just would like to add, we are a gem. We are great. We are 
amazing. We are carrying this community on our backs. We just don't have time on our long list of things to do to be taking care of cars. I get home and then and then I tell my family the story of how what happened to my car and I proudly say at least it wasn't a car accident which you all thought it was and that is the story of how sexism saved my life. Sexism is 99.9% bad, terrible, horrible, but I just remember that this is the one time where sexism really played in my favor. For the record, Somali guys are lovely, they help me out, but damn, they were so sexist to me that day. But I appreciated them so much. Thank you, Adem, for all the help. I really appreciate it. And I, you really helped me out this week. So, moral of the story is F cops. In case you didn't hear what Fatima sheepishly said under her breath there at the end, she said, F cops, yay sexism. And to be abundantly clear, sexism is bad. We do not condone sexism on this podcast. But if you are a person who experiences sexism on a daily basis, if you are constantly belittled and intimidated by men, or you are treated like you are only valuable for your body, or you just provide so much emotional labor to all of the cis men in your life, I think it's okay to occasionally trick a man into doing work for you. Just take a break, relax. Sexism is exhausting. We're in it for the long haul. to go back to what I was talking about at the top of the show, I just want to point out that the cop in this story was completely ineffective. He did nothing. He didn't even help Fatima put her tire on. And that is because the system of policing is not designed to help us. It is designed specifically to intimidate people and to protect property, which is exactly what the cop is doing to Fatima in this story. All right. That's all I have to rant about today. In conclusion, F cops and F sexism too. You can follow the funny stories to tell in the dark Instagram account at funny stories in the dark, where I've posted a picture of Fatima's poor shredded tire. And trust me, it's really bad. It's laughably bad. Just go look at it. Feel sorry for her. You can also subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Or, as Fatima says, Thank you for coming to my channel. Please like and subscribe. Thanks for listening.